You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. They're devoid of rest in Jesus, who, if you think about it, is the Prince of Peace. So this peace should be very present within a believer's life. You know, they're like mental jaywalkers, if you will. They profess to believe, and yet they permit their minds to wander among terrifying imaginations, which God neither intends nor will permit to come to pass in his child's life. Are you dwelling in the peace that Christ provides? He gives assurance that you'll spend eternity in perfect, unfiltered intimacy with Him, and that hope can bring joy through even the worst circumstances. In today's message, as Pastor Mike continues our study of the book of 1 Peter, we'll be reminded of this supernatural peace that we can have in Christ. Sadly, many believers allow remnants of their old nature to rear their head, and their lives don't reflect this peace that is theirs to enjoy. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 as he begins his message, The Blessed Life. I remember what you said You returned that I might live In my Father's First Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, and this is where we left off last time. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. It's sort of like an equation here, a formula uh, for experiencing that blessed life. Peter here in the section of his epistle gives us some insights on how believers in Christ may best enjoy and experience life to the fullest. And you know, if you think about it, how different, this instruction that we're given here, these exhortations, how different it is from what the world proposes and their standards. They would suggest that life and the blessed life is all about money and acquiring of of money or uh, they would suggest it's all about relationships or some exciting uh, experiences. But the problem with those things are, you know, how many who have acquired those very things that I just suggested are the most miserable people? And why is that? Because it's never enough. It's, a never, it's never enough money that they've acquired. Uh, relationships, they go from one person to another, uh, only to continue to feel uh, dissatisfied. Uh, also, some experience. 
and they go from one experience, then they become jaded to that, and they have to go on and search out a new experience. So those people, not all of them, but some of them, are the most miserable of people. You see, the Bible teaches that the way to genuine and lasting enjoyment is not found in material things or prosperity, but rather through spiritual satisfaction. And what a blessing it is that every one of us can experience this for ourselves, because it's not based on money or positions, you know, or what we have or, or, or don't have. It's all about our relationship with uh, Christ. Now, the apostle here, Peter, is actually quoting these two verses, verses 10 through 12. He's actually quoting from the book of Psalms in chapter 34, verses 12 through 16. And in that text of scripture, we're given three requisites for spiritual satisfaction and true happiness. Let's go back to our text. He, told, he tells us here, he who would have a life or love life or be well satisfied with life, either or, and see good days, that is, days that are filled with blessing, that's what we're talking about, must be careful of what, three things, what he says, so write this down, what he says, what he does, and what he thinks. So that's what we're going to be talking about, what we say, what we do, and what we think. These are the three requisites. Okay, so let me break them down for you. The first of which is what we say. And listen, it's absolutely necessary that we be careful to say the right thing at the right time. Notice there in verse 10, Peter tells us, Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. So, controlling our tongue is the first step towards spiritual satisfaction. You see, we need to give constant vigilance and prayerful consideration to our speech. I mean, how many damages have people done? How much misery have people called? Conflicts that have ensued uh, have been brought about by an evil, unruly tongue, by a person who cannot just control the things that they say. So the tongue can be a deadly instrument. For example, gossip, gossip. Think about gossip. And, uh, you know, how many people's character have been destroyed? Reputations have been ruined. Hearts have been broken. You know, James addresses himself to this subject. And in the book of James, chapter 3 and verse 5, he says, Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You know, I found this poem that I think would be appropriate. It fits nicely here, and I want to share it with you. It's about the unruly tongue a person who cannot master uh, their tongue. And it goes like this. How like an arrow is a word, at random often speeding, to find a target never meant, and set some heart a-bleeding. Oh, pray that heaven may seal our lips, ere unkind words are spoken, for heaven itself cannot recall when once that seal is broken. And you know what? The poet is absolutely correct. Gang, if you want to enjoy life to the fullest, put away a froward mouth and a perverse lips. The book of Proverbs, let me give you a couple of cross-reference. The book of Proverbs, for example, chapter 21, verse 23, addresses itself to this issue. And there Solomon tells us, Whosoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. 
Let me give you a New Testament uh, quotation addressing the same subject. The book of Colossians, chapter 4 and verse 6. There Paul tells us, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. You know, our words can either tear down or build up an individual. So choose your words carefully. Consecrate this area of your lives unto God. And guess what? He'll put a guard over your lips. Okay, so that's the first step. The next step to enjoying life to the fullest, God directs us here. Let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 11, Peter tells us, eschew evil and do good. In other words, and this is our second point, turn away from evil. Now, this is difficult, yes, but God never asks us to do anything without providing the supplies that are necessary, adequate to meet those needs. You know, here's some good assurance of that from the book of Romans in chapter 6. There Paul tells us, knowing this, that our old man, that is the old man before our conversion experience, the old woman, the old Mike, the old you, knowing this, that your old man or woman was crucified with him, that is put to death, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves unto sin. So the idea here is that God, through our conversion experience, upon receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior, destroys, renders entirely idle the old sinful nature. The old sinful nature has been made inactive. It's been put out of operation. And sin's appetites have been curbed, and we've been given new desires by the Lord. So think of it like this. The body of sin is harassed by the power of God. You see, it's our blessed privilege. It's one of the perks. It's one of the blessings that we receive, one of the gifts that we uh, receive of uh, the Lord. When we experience our conversion experience, when we, when we receive Christ as our Lord and our Savior, it's a blessed privilege. No longer are we slaves to sin. All we need to do is appropriate that by faith. Truly, there's no reason to continue in sin. So don't make excuses for your sins. Don't make any concessions with your body uh, appetites. You see, God places us in a place where we desire to do good, to travel along a new course, a new corridor, along the straight and the narrow. So let me ask you this question. Do you really want to enjoy life? Well, according to these instructions, eschew evil and do uh, good. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 24, in verses 3 and 4, remember when that particular psalm was constructed by David upon the occasion of bringing the ark back into the city of Jerusalem, which is what 2 Samuel chapter 6 is all about. So he wrote and constructed uh, that psalm, that song uh, to be sung as the ark entered through the gates of the city of Jerusalem and then was placed into the uh, tabernacle that had been built uh, by David. Well, anyway, that's some background. The 24th Psalm, verses 3 and 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, not sworn deceitfully. 
So folks, listen, happiness is unknown to those whose hands are soiled and whose hearts are blackened by sin. Remember, Jesus himself said, if any man or woman would serve me, would come after me, let him follow me, let him pick up his cross. That is to seek to be like him in holiness of life and righteousness of uh, character. Listen, this is God's desire for all of us, not some of us, but all of us. But it can only be realized as we keep our eyes on him. That is, as we keep our eyes upon uh, Jesus. Now that brings us to our next step, the final step that has to do with correct, and this one uh, that lends itself to the blessed life. And this step uh, has to do with correct thinking. So write that down. This is our third point, correct thinking. Let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 11. There we are encouraged. Let him seek peace and ensue it. So for happy living, then, we must guard our thinking. And this links us together uh, the other two steps. I mean, because without good thinking, there can be no edifying speech or holy uh, living. For this reason, God says, and it's recorded for us in the book of Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 8, Brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. So anyway, this ensue or walk in peace is possible only as there is perfect peace in our minds. And this is something that we need to cultivate. This is something that we need to discipline ourselves uh, over. Let me give you a cross-reference. Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 23, in verse 7, there we are told, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So getting back to what we've already read in the book of Philippians, make sure that you train your mind to think on things that are pure and holy and just, of a good report, things that are praiseworthy. Think on spiritual things. Think about uh, Jesus, because once again, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, so it is unfortunate that some Christians speak of the peace of God that's being recommended to us here in this uh, text, which passes understanding, as the Bible uh, puts it, yet their minds are in constant turmoil and they allow themselves to be harassed by fear and worry. And they're devoid of rest in Jesus, who, if you think about it, is the Prince of Peace. So this peace should be very present within a believer's life. You know, they're like mental jaywalkers, if you will. They profess to believe, and yet they permit their minds to wander among terrifying imaginations, which God neither intends nor will permit to come to pass in his child's life. Let me give you a cross-reference. In John's Gospel in chapter 14, in verse 27, Jesus himself said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And so, gang, what do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to pray for that peace. We need to trust God for that uh, peace. No matter what's going on in your life, just turn it over. Slip it on over uh, to him. 
As Peter puts it, cast all of your care and your burden upon him. Why? Because Jesus cares for you. You know, David said, here's another cross-reference from the book of Psalms in chapter 46, in verses 1 and 2. There, David uh, declared, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Now, let's go back to our, uh, our, our text here. Okay, so all of what we've been talking about uh, this evening, yes, it's a very high standard. It's not something that just happens naturally or normally. We have to commit ourselves uh, to it. So these, yes, are pretty high uh, standards. Yes, we need to say the right thing. We need to do the right thing. We need to think the right uh, thing. Well, listen, this is exactly where God's grace comes in. As I mentioned before, God will enable you to be this kind of a, a person. Let's go back to our text. I want you to take special note of this. Verse uh, 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their uh, prayers. So we need to make our appeal unto the Lord. Whatever the need, his grace is sufficient. He will enable us to, uh, to see uh, he, because he sees, he hears, uh, he acts. He'll enable us to do the right uh, thing, to think the right uh, thoughts, to say the right uh, thing. And so as a mother has her ears attuned to the cry of her child, so the Lord listens for the voice of his own, according to our text. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, and I quote, when I don't know which way to go, I go on my knees. And listen, I would encourage you to do likewise. What a privilege we have to be able to fall upon our knees and make our appeal unto the Lord, whatever our situation may be. But those, on the other hand, notice according to our text, who practice evil, they can't expect a blessing. They're not going to experience any power through uh, prayer. In the book of Proverbs, there's the final cross-reference for you. In chapter 13, verse 15, there we are told, the way of the transgressor is hard. And so anyway, are you interested in truly enjoying life to the fullest? And of course, I know how you're going to answer that question. Absolutely, yes. Well then, this is what you need to do. Be careful what you say, what you do, and what you think. Let's close in a word of prayer before our worship leader comes back and closes out our service this evening. Join me together. God, put a guard over our lips Help us to use our speech to edify. Let God help us to build up individuals with our words rather than to tear down. Give us strength to walk in the path of righteousness, to straighten the narrow, in the way of Jesus, and help our thoughts to be focused on you and the things which are good. God, we thank you, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. See you on Sunday, verse 13. So Peter here exhorts us, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. So Peter is encouraging us to be courageous.
but sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear or reverence, having a good conscience or a clear conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I believe that God wants to use you. In fact, in one respect, we were saved for this very reason. God has a plan. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. God wants to do a mighty and great work in and through our lives. And listen, also, I know that you want to be used by him. Why is that? Simply because you love him. You want to please him. And also, that's where the blessings are, as we move into the center of God's will for our lives. Making ourselves available to God, that's also where we're going to receive the blessings of God. But listen, there are things, if allowed in our lives, that either contribute to our being used of God or being disqualified from this blessed experience. So that's the subject that we're going to be treating this evening, and that's what we want to talk about today. And in these verses here, let's go back to our text, Peter suggests five essentials for the believer's usefulness. So we're going to take them in order. The first of which is, and if you're taking notes, write this down, the first thing that lends itself to our being used of God, and that is our being zealous, being zealous to be used, zealous for God. Notice there in verse 13, let's go back to our text, in the latter part of verse 13, can correctly be translated from the original manuscripts, if you show yourself zealous, there's that word, zealous, which is our first point, if you show yourself zealous for that which is good. So, a holy zeal is imperative for usefulness in the Lord's work. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 4, and verse 18, there we read, Be zealously affected always in a good thing. So our hearts burning to do a work for uh, God. You know, an example of this would be Paul the Apostle. Paul was zealously affected uh, for God to be used of God. Let me give you a cross-reference. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, Paul there declares, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Christ also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be Oh my That's all we have time for on today's edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. 
We love seeing how God is using His Word in incredibly powerful ways. If you don't yet have a church to call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to learning more from 1 Peter next time on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled. I remember what you said.